So I come here and I, I prepare a message and I know I heard from God. I know I did. And yet God says, I want you to do this. And I, I, I wrestle with it back and forth. Because first off, when I, I share my story, it's not all that special. And I definitely don't like attention for the sake of it drawn to myself, but Helen, you spoke something on behalf of the Lord and I don't know how long this is going to be, but for those of you who haven't known me since I was born, which I was basically born in this church, you're going to get to hear it today. Um, God spoke on the message identity. You know, I, if you ask my parents and they say, when did I give my life to the Lord? They would tell you the age of four or five, somewhere in there. I would tell you about the age of 17. And here's the thing. Here, here's the reason why. I was born on a Monday. I was in church that Sunday. My parents came to, if the church doors were open, revival or anything that was going on, they were here. It was just, it was just habit, right? And so I, I learned everything that a Christian should do. I saw everything modeled right in front of me. And so I, I knew the word of God. But if, if you read the Old Testament and God introduces himself to Abraham, eventually came time that, you know, Abraham, he is, he is having this close relationship with the Lord in faith. Eventually, God isn't just the God of Abraham. He also becomes the God of Abraham's son, Isaac. And eventually it passes down that he's not just the God of Abraham. He's not just the God of Isaac. He also becomes the God of Jacob. Becomes the God of Joseph. And what happens is that we sit in church. I, I, as, a, I, I as a young believer. We sit in church and I identified with God through the faith of my parents. And it wasn't until I was about the age of 17 years old that it was, that's not just the God of my parents. It's my God. It's my God. And so I can tell you about how much of a hellion I was, but you don't want to hear that right now. Because um, <laughs> those, trust me, those show up in my messages all the time. But I went out to Bible college and I got married at the age of 19. I was a month over 19 and Wendy and I met out in Eugene, Oregon. Funny, a girl from Illinois and a guy from Iowa, we go out to Oregon and meet. And uh, we were married by the next summer. 
And so we're, we're, we're only a week apart in age. We're, we're pretty close in age. She's older, though. <laughs> I got to get it in while I can, you know? <laughs> and uh, anyways, we go back out to Oregon. It's my sophomore year. Her goal is she wants to work me through school so we don't have debt. Sounds like a pretty good plan. And we go out there, and obviously we're both really young, and um, it's just a couple months into marriage. It's, it's not much at all. And she starts getting sick. And at, at the time, we didn't know what was going on. We started going to the doctor, and all I can tell you is that what we knew was she was, her neck was spasming, and her face would spasm too, and she'd lose a little bit of control. She didn't have control over these things. Over time, it progressively got worse, and eventually she lost her job because of it. She worked at a call center at the time, and she lost her job. And we're starting to wonder what's going on because this is becoming progressively worse. And we're seeing doctors. We're not getting answers. They're giving us ideas, but not answers. And finally, we go to this one doctor, and he decides that he's going to really work at figuring out what it is. And now we're about into the month of December, I think. So we got married in August. We're about in December of that year. And I'm struggling at this point. I'm, you know, I'm a 19-year-old kid in Bible college. I, I've got goals in mind. I'm, I'm newly married, but my wife lost her job. And so I'm going to school full time. I'm working full time. And now I'm trying to pick up extra hours or as much as I can just to get us through whatever this is. And I remember when we finally got sat down and he said, I think this is what it is. And we're going to start running tests. We're going to start doing tests. We're going to do MRIs and just do, do brain scans and figure out what's going on. And he spoke this word. He said, I believe it's dystonia. <laughs> oh, you're like, what on earth is dystonia? Well, dystonia is a form of Parkinson's. And um, it, it is all centered around your face and neck. And when it was occurring, I mean, it was spasming like this, just out of control. She wouldn't be able to speak, really couldn't function. And we're 19 years old. And I'm, we're, we're going through this, and we're going through this process, and we're, we're starting to research what this means and finding out there, there is no cure. It's, you know, they, they've got medicine out there that suppresses it a little bit, but, but that's all. And I'm starting to question all these things in life. Well, what does my future look like? What does this having kids look like? What about my dreams for you know, work? What, what does that look like? Finishing Bible college, what does that even look like? And what was amazing was it showed me where my immaturity was because I was a student in Bible college and... I was no longer believing in a God who could change an outcome. And so at the time, I remember that we were having, we were having 
people pray for us. Obviously, being a Bible college student, there's plenty of people around you that have faith. We had pastors calling us basically from all over the country, calling us and praying with us over the phone. And what I noticed in my heart, I became a little bit more callous with every phone call. To where I was just, I was just at the point where I was completely rejecting the notion of God even in my life. I was going through the motions. I, I, I was still in Bible college, and I, you know, I was I was doing everything that a Christian should be doing. But there was nothing in me that was living for God, and I was just honestly, just for transparency, I was looking at my wife as quickly becoming baggage instead of a person that I married because I loved her and wanted to be with her in sickness and in health. And there was a, uh, it was about the month of February, and we were asked, or I was asked, I should say, to play on worship team at, at one of our chapels at school. And I, I told Wendy, I said, hey, I'm playing if you, if you want to come up and be a part of the service. And as a, she wasn't a Bible college student, but she came up for the chapel. And one of the professor's wives saw her, and, and they, they saw her struggling. They saw her neck and face and convulsing. And she went over and she said, I, I want to meet you, but, but in my office, not in this setting. And, and I, I'd like to meet with you tomorrow. And I, I remember that like yesterday because it was, it was a uh, Wednesday, if I'm correct. And I had that day off of work. And we were living off campus at the time. And Wendy said, do you want to go with me to this meeting? I said, no, I don't. Well, at the time, she wasn't recommended to drive. She couldn't work. She wasn't functioning very well on her own. And I said, no, you can, you can go. And so Wendy drove herself. And I remember, I, I remember sitting there, and I remember pacing back and forth in the apartment because I just let my wife drive off, and she shouldn't even be driving. Two hours go by. I'm still just wearing out the carpet in my living room. Thinking, you should have been there. You should have been by her side. And I remember it was, it was almost close to three hours by the time she got back home. And she walked in the apartment door with tears in her eyes. Said, Aaron, I've been healed. I've been healed. And in that process, you know, the, I, I can tell you about the process that this professor's wife walked through, but I remember that night specifically. I dropped to my knees right there. And I said, God, forgive me. Forgive me. I had fallen so far in such a short amount of time. Are you catching this church? We can fall so far in a short amount of time if we are placing our faith and hope in the wrong things. And I remember that night we worshiped God. And we just prayed all night. 
And God spoke something very specific to me, and I'm never going to forget it. He said, the road I have you on is difficult. Don't take your eyes off me. About a year and a half later, Wendy, Wendy and I are in Papua New Guinea, and we find out she's pregnant. Third world country, and we find out she's pregnant. And, uh, you know, we're, we're only, at the time, we're, we're 20. We turned 21 that summer, actually, yeah. And uh, I sat there and thought, well, life's about to get really exciting in nine months. And along came Josiah, and I graduated two months later, and we moved back here to be youth pastors. And my, for those of you who know Beverly Johnson, that's my grandma, and my, my grandma watched him, and it, it, was, it was funny because we would get to hear about all these milestones he was meeting, and he was, he was ahead of his age group in nearly everything. He was, he was blowing us away. And I remember it was almost overnight when he turned 18 months. Everything just changed like that. He was despondent, like he couldn't hear us. Uh, he wasn't speaking the way he was speaking before. And we knew something was gravely wrong, but had no idea. And so we're going to doctors here in town. It seems like we're repeating that same process again. And we're just told, oh, he's a boy. He's a boy. Just, just keep going forward. He's, he's, going to, he's going to snap out of it. And so we got told that for, guys, five years. We got told that for five years. And we're like, something is terribly wrong here. And at that point, we're, we're now senior pastors in Illinois. And we had the former pastor that remained in the church, which was a, an interesting dynamic for us at the time. And I, I remember that he came up to us and he said, I, I suggest I want you guys to go to this, this autism conference that's in Galesburg. Well, at the time, like doctors were telling us what he had and we were told he had sensory integration disorder and we were just locked on to what it might be that's causing it. And we're like, we have never once been told autism, so we were offensive offended at the very notion of autism. Wendy went to that conference and I stayed home. I stayed home with the kids. And Wendy at that conference connected with a doctor. And so we take him to this doctor and she was actually two and a half hours away from where, where we lived. So we would travel back and forth to this doctor all the time. And I, we remember it very well. It was it was probably the hardest day of our lives that Josiah and Isaac on the same day were diagnosed with autism. At the time, it was, it was like grieving a death. There was things that we hoped for. I, you know, I, I, I had hoped for a, a very specific life for my oldest son and, and Isaac. And I... I, I, I had in my mind what it looked like when they would drive for the first time. I had in my mind what it looked like 
when they'd get married and the, the job that they would have and all these things. And I, I remember inside just getting angry when social media was just starting to become a thing and people would put online, you know, the, the kids that say the darndest things type of stuff. And I'm like, my kid doesn't say any of that. And so I was struggling with comparing myself to other people and I was becoming envious of what other people had. And I, I, I'd sit there and I, I'd fight back and forth, but I, I remembered having that voice in my, my head. God, God speaking that over to me once again that the road he has me on is difficult. And I'm like, God, I'm not going to take my eyes off you. But life stinks. That was my attitude. And so Wendy and I became very insular. We never left the house. I mean, uh, unless it was for church if, if one of us had to go somewhere, we'd go by ourselves because we didn't want the attention on us at all. I, I remember several instances where we'd be brave enough to go out as a family. And Josiah used to be a lot more boisterous than he is now. And we'd be in restaurants and we'd have people complain on us. And where we'd leave upset and saying, we'll never do that again. And believe it or not, it wasn't until probably about, oh, seven, eight years ago that we learned to start breaking this cycle in our lives to where we thought we had very little to offer as a family. We, we, we saw our value to church, our value to the world, as very minimal because we were so focused on caring for our kids, we didn't realize that our kids would minister to people. And so uh, I remember being at this new church and telling them on the outside that that's not who we are anymore, but we're wrestling with these things. We're still wanting to be insular. You know, we're wanting to be closed off and guarded over our kids. And at the time, Josiah was doing an occupational therapy down in Cedar Rapids. And so once a week, I would pull him out of school early. And I would go down to Cedar Rapids. And just because it was, it was him and I, and rarely did we get opportunities at the time where it was just him and I, I would often stop about halfway on our trip down. To, and we'd stop at like Casey's, and we'd just get a snack, right? And Josiah has the, a knack for quoting movies and, and saying things the darndest things at the most opportune moments. And um, I, I remember we're at the uh, cash register and we're, we're paying for the items that we grabbed. And the, uh, the, the cashier looked at him and was trying to converse with him and he just wasn't having it. And when she reached out for the money, I remember Josiah went, hey, back off. And like... <laughs> I, I think this is something that broke inside of me because right at that moment, I smiled at her. I'm like, well, have a good day. And I, I think it was that moment that started within me to just approach life a little bit differently. And it, it, was, it was amazing what God started doing because God would start using others around us to say, hey, I, I, have a, I have a young family that's going through something similar. Is it all right if I gave them 
your phone number and you, you could talk to them. Oh, ab absolutely. Absolutely. And as we were growing up and as we were kind of maturing as a family and, and recognizing who we were and who God's created us to be, we were just becoming more comfortable in that where we go out and if someone says something or thinks something, it's like, well, that's their problem. And then I started having people go, you know, I see the way God uses you and your wife, and it's, it's amazing. And I'm like, well, it doesn't feel amazing, let me tell you. But I saw how he has used something incredibly difficult and challenging for his glory. I've prayed a long time. Wendy and I have prayed a long time for their healing. And believing that God has the ability to heal them. Here, here's what I know, though. I know that God is going to heal them. See, if he doesn't heal them on this earth, the moment that we find ourselves in eternity, they'll be healed. They'll be healed. And so I don't know what you're going through. But I remember one specific moment that kind of allowed me to realign myself with God's purpose, no matter the difficulties, no matter whether it was dystonia or every time I questioned myself with something difficult in the world of autism. My friend was sitting with me at the hospital one night when we were trying to figure out everything with Wendy. And he said, I want you to remember Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. God's not going to take it back. God's plan isn't going to change for you. Now, I could willfully choose to walk away from that. God's not walking away from that. God's not changing that commitment. So I don't know what is going on in your life particularly. I know some of you, and I know, I know the struggles that you have, and I know how easy it is to question whether or not God is in it. But I am telling you, Romans 8.28, He can use it for His glory. And so it might be a difficult circumstance, and you might have bought in to that prosperity message that you believe that, well, you're going to be perfectly healthy for the rest of your life. You're always going to have every need provided for, and God's going to do this, this, and this to completely see you through, and in your mind that you, you're always going to have a good day. It's not reality. You know, the book of Hebrews, and I can't remember the verse right now because I'm a scatterbrain. But it, it, it says, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. And I know that through, through discipline, through trials, through everything that I have gone through, it is what has connected me closer to God. And I always believed in this, this lifestyle where everything was perfect. When I was a kid, I, I believed that I was going to be an engineer. I, I, I had plans. In fact, in my last two years of high school... Most of my classes were revolving around computer-aided drafting. 
And so I, I, I had these plans, and, and my plan in my mind was perfect. I was going to have the typical colonial-style home, white house, black shutters, red door. You know, I, I wanted the white picket fence out front. I wanted, I wanted, at the time, a family of four. Sorry, Gabe and Eva. I wanted a family of four at the time. And I had this idea of everything that was going to be perfect. It was perfect in my mind. But now I'm living out God's perfect plan for my family and what he's done. And so, church, being in the will of God, and just because bad things happen doesn't mean that you've missed it. You've missed the will of God. It's about saying yes to whatever he brings you to and through. It's about this unwavering commitment to God and his plan for your life. And knowing that God's purposes are greater and higher than our own plan. So I hope that speaks to you today. If I would have wrote this out, it would have probably not been so jumbled. But you know, God loves you. Ethan, I'm going to say something that might seem offensive, brother. God's using this. God's drawn you to him because of this. God drew me to him through the circumstances of my life that were so difficult. But it galvanized my relationship with him. And it caused me through every difficult thing that I've been through to just keep looking to him and saying, God, I know you're going to get me on the other side of this. I don't know the amount of time, that indeterminate amount of time, how many days am I going to have to go through this, months, years, whatever. But I know that God is going to see me through to the other side. And it's the, sa it's the same with you. God's going to see you through to the other side. And so what you do is you just continue growing in that relationship with him, growing in that understanding of who he is and how he works, not what we have determined in our own minds. Some of you in this room are struggling. Some of you in this room might be where I was when I abandoned God through everything with Wendy. Some of you might be where I was when we were being told that your kids, this is, this is just how it is the rest of their lives. And I'm like, God, I'm trusting in you, but you know what? I don't want this world to harm me, so I'm going to I'm going to protect my family. And honestly, I was of no value to the kingdom because I wasn't reaching out. I wasn't allowing God to use me and my family. And so some of you might be in a very difficult spot where you've been questioning things. You've been wrestling with this identity as well. And what I could encourage you in is that if you would just commit to God in his plan, believe in the miraculous, believe that God can do the miraculous, but choose to be used by him today, you will see God's glory through your trial. 
But it takes that commitment. Sometimes it takes that moment of falling to your knees to say, Lord, will you please forgive me? Forgive me for my thoughts. Forgive me, forgive me for where I have directed my faith. God, there are times where I've taken my eyes off you, Father. I've placed my faith in other things. I needed to repent of that. I am opening the door for you today to walk in repentance. To know that God is going to see you through. He's going to take care of you. And so I ask everyone in here if you can bow your heads. I, I think this is, can be pretty personal. At the time, I thought I was pretty mature in the faith. I was pretty mature for a 19-year-old at the time. <laughs> so immature as a believer. And so I didn't want anyone to know that I was weak. I wanted to always appear strong. I know of good men and women in the faith that have fallen. And I believe that God has the ability to restore. Some of you in this room, you might have struggled, and I'm telling you, God wants to restore that relationship with you. He wants to redirect you. Keep your eyes focused on Him. And so if you're saying, Pastor, I need to repent. I need to redirect my focus back toward God. I need to commit to Him because He is committed to you. If that's you, would you raise your hand if you say, I need to repent, Pastor? Bless God. Bless God. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise both hands to God right now. Lord, you have the ability to take the ugly things of our life and God, you can make them beautiful. God, you can turn any test into a testimony, Father. And Lord, I pray that we don't miss what you are doing in our lives. And so God, for all those here that might be hurting, God, for all those here that might be wrestling with this identity or have taken their eyes off of you, Father, Lord, I pray for just, Lord, for, for you to allow that spirit of repentance to move within each and every one of us that has our hands raised, God, that where we can know that we are, first off, free, God, because we want to completely turn away from this, this thanking God. We want, to, we want to turn away from who, who we have become and claim that new creation that can only be found through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you will forgive us, Father, for taking our eyes off of you at difficult times. And God, may we walk through these fires, these tests, 
knowing that, Lord, you are with us every step of the way and that you are going to see us through. God, I pray that each and every person that has their hands raised, Lord, will sense and know that, God, you have not only forgiven them, but you are encouraging them to claim the victory and new life in you and God not be tied to shame of the past or the identity of the past and who they were, but Lord, who they are in you because of your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father. I praise you in your wonderful name. You are so good, God. Thank you in Jesus' name. Um, church, God is going to use you, amen? God is going to use you to, to do incredible things. And each and every person in this room, I believe, is called by God to do something for his kingdom. And so it is time for you to embrace that God has a very specific plan for you. And that is why it is so critical you don't take your eyes off him no matter what comes your way. As we dismiss and get ready to go, if you have shoe boxes and you have not paid for the shipping for them, please see Tedder Joy at the back table. And um, I just want to thank you for coming today. God saved you from a sermon on judgment. Um, it was good too. It was good. Um, perhaps. Well, so next week I'm, I'm going to preach on Thanksgiving next week, but, um, church continue to pray for this young man and his family. And, um, we will be updating you with good reports along the way. And I encourage you to step out these doors today and choose to be that light shining in darkness and not be that insular person who I used to be that wanted to hide that faith under a basket. Be that light for Christ, amen? Lord, I just thank you for this church. God, be with them as they go today. And... Lord, I pray that everyone in here have their eyes opened and ears tuned to your Holy Spirit so that we don't miss anything, Father, so that we can, we can be that light in a dark world. I thank you, Lord, for each and every individual that's sitting here today. Lord, may they say yes this week to being used by you as you want them to be used. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless, church.